John chapter 10. Sometimes I say things wrong to see if anybody's really listening. So thank you. John 12. Sometimes I just say things wrong. Sometimes it's by design. It's a test. John 12. Kind of interesting, if you read a biography of somebody today, you know, you, you, you read very little about their death. I mean, it's like their life and what they did. John and the, and the gospel writers, they focus, John in particular, the first, John is 21 chapters. The last 10 are the last week of Jesus' life and the resurrection. You know, after all, the, the most important thing about God taking on the form of man and, and coming and, and living on this earth was his sacrificial death and, and resurrection. Chapter 11 was kind of uh, probably a month before that last week. And then the, so the first 10 chapters, basically half, dealt with Jesus' life un, until that moment. Uh, just the last half focuses on the most important part of, of Jesus' life. Let's read, I want to read in, in kind of a, a different way today. Um, I want to read chapter 12, verse 1, and then, then chapter 12, verses 9 through, through 19. So chapter 12, verse 1. Six days before the Passover... Jesus therefore came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. And then, then skip down to verse 9. When the large crowd of Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came not only on account of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well. Because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified then, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done, had been done to him. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to, to bear witness the reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they heard he had done this sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, You see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. Chapter 12 kind of picks up the account there that... that Left off in, at the end of chapter 11, Jesus had gone to, to Bethany, uh, a, a village a couple of miles away from, from Jerusalem. The, 
family, Mary and Martha, the sisters, had sent word to Jesus that his, their brother was, was sick and asked him to come, and, and Jesus had delayed two days. And when he finally arrived in, in Bethany, Lazarus was dead. And you know the, the end of the story, Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. What would be our reaction what would be the normal reaction to such an event that, that, that this friend of ours, maybe a relative, a brother, maybe just a, 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 town's, a town friend, uh, a church friend is raised from the dead, how would people react today? I mean, would you not be happy and excited but but? Was, were everyone, was everyone happy and excited that Lazarus, that Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead? As we look through the, between chapter 11 and 12, the end of chapter 11, verse 48, says, Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what he did, believed in him. Many of those who had gone to the tomb when Jesus called out, uh, Lazarus said they believed in him. Verse 46, but some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. Not everyone was happy that Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead. How can that possibly be? How could somebody not be happy that Jesus had, had raised Lazarus from the dead? If we skip down to, to verse 53, it said, So from that day forward, they, it's talking about the, the Pharisees, the Sanhedrin, the, the council, the high court of, of the Jews, made plans to put him to death. The, the Jewish leaders, after Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead, made plans to put him to death. You know, they had already tried to arrest him or stone him several times prior to this. It's like they redouble their efforts now uh, in, in, in trying to, to capture Jesus, to arrest him, and, and, and to kill him by whatever means they have. Because why? Their position is going to be taken away. It's, it's, it's jealousy. That, that they, when they, when they met, they said, if, if we don't do something about him, the people are going to rise up. Rome's going to see what happens, and, and we're going to lose our status. You know, they, they were content to live under Roman rule and, and occupation and just keep going because they had a good thing going. You know, they control the, the, the temple the offerings coming in, they can take what they need. You know, there was, a, there was as much greed and graft and, and, and political dishonesty going on then as there is now. It's always amazing when you, you look at people of antiquity, we call the, the olden days, and that we haven't progressed that much. We, we try in, with, with human um, institutions, or, or means to progress, but, but man and women left to themselves don't make much, much progress. The Pharisees are, and, and Sanhedrin, the Sadducees, are, are content to live under, under Roman rule. So they begin to, 
to search for Jesus. In verse chapter 11, verse 54, Jesus therefore no longer walked openly among the Jews, but went from there to a region near the wilderness, a town called Ephraim, and there he stayed with his disciples. That's kind of where chapter 12 opened, six days before the Passover. It's, 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 it seems like this is a Saturday, six days before the Passover, especially when you get down to verse, verse 9, and it seems like the next day, verse 12, the next day, so that, Je so that Jesus came back right before Passover. Many of the Jews had, had gone into Jerusalem coming from all of the countryside. They, they say that the population would, would quadruple over this uh, a big feast celebration such as Passover and that where there, there might have been 30,000 Jews living in Jerusalem in, 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 in this, this era that on a Passover feast time there would be over 150,000 Jews coming in to, to celebrate the Passover. So it says when, they, uh, when, when these Jews got there, they began looking and seeing, will Jesus come? They, they knew that he had left. They've got this anticipation of, of Jesus coming back. This one they've heard of, of the miracles that he, has, that he has performed, the signs and wonders that he has just raised Lazarus from the, from the dead. It's, it's, it's happened just probably just a few weeks, uh, just a few weeks before. And that's, that's kind of where we are in, in, in verse 1, that the, before uh, six days before the Passover, Jesus returns to Bethany, two miles or so from, from Jerusalem. Then in verse 9, the large crowd of Jews learned that Jesus was there. They came not only on account of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. I mean, this would be something to see. Nobody had seen this before, that those from Galilee, the pilgrims that had come down to, to Jerusalem for the, for the feast, they wanted to see not only Jesus, but Lazarus. What is the reaction of, the, says the chief priests, those leaders? They say, he's over here, he's over here. No, they want to, now they want to not only kill Jesus, but they want to kill Lazarus as well. Lazarus is, is a, a living witness, a living testimony. One, one, one writer I, I read said, a billboard for Jesus and, and, and the fact that he is Messiah. He's doing the things that Isaiah had prophesied. The lame shall, shall, shall walk, the blind will receive their sight. Lazarus is, is, is now in the crosshairs of the, of the Pharisees, the chief priests, the Sanhedrin, as well as Jesus. Why? It says, because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away to believe in Jesus. So that's kind of the, the, the setting of, of the first, we call it Palm Sunday. If you're, if you're, uh, many, many Bibles now have outlines. They have little subheadings that it's, it's generally called the triumphal entry. 
Do we think of a, a triumphal entry today? You know, maybe it's um, a sports team uh, parade after they've won a championship. You know, it's been decades since there's been one in our area, but, but you know, they have them in other parts of the country. When a, when a team wins the World Series or the Super Bowl or uh, we have them, you know, you've seen pictures, maybe you were there, of troops returning from World War II and the ticker tape parades of, of you know, they're throwing out all this, this shredded paper in, in, in New York or wherever, that we have these, these entries, uh, triumphal entries today are, are parades. In, in these days when Rome would conquer a, a city or a nation, the, the conquering general, if, if, they had, if he had killed 5,000 people or more, then they would build an arch it's like, that, so that's the benchmark, 5,000, you got to kill 5,000 people, you get your own arch. And, and they would give a, a parade, and he would come in on a, on a, a horse, and all his, his uh, troops behind him, carrying the banners of the, of the nation that, he had, that they had conquered. You know, the, the flags of the, that fallen nation. And then at the very end of that would be captives, that they were going to make slaves, that a, that a triumphal entry is, was a big thing in, in the ancient city of Rome. How does Jesus come into Jerusalem? He's been staying in Bethany. He was back in Bethany the, the day before. He, he, he met again with Mary and Martha and Lazarus, and, and, and they gave him a dinner. You can read that in the in the first part of chapter 12. But he says, now the next day, they, they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. It's, it's, it's coming on the feast time. What do they do? They took branches of palms, palm trees and went out to meet him. They, they know he's coming. They're, they're anticipating Jesus coming into Jerusalem. And so they cut down, they cut these palm leaves off of the, off of the date palms. Why? What's the significance of that? It's a national symbol of, of their independence, that it, that it was actually part of the Feast of Tabernacles, but more recently, after this guy named Antiochus Epiphanes was put down, and, and run out of town by the Maccabean uh, revolt in 164 B.C. They began using those palm branches as a national symbol to, to, to show their own independence. And so they had these. So put those two together and, and, and do, it's kind of literary math. We're mixing two, two subjects. You've got a national symbol. You've got somebody entering into the, the city and they're waving those and they're throwing those down on the on the ground. What does that equal? Okay, it made sense in my head when I thought it up. That equals that they see Jesus as the coming king, the coming ruler, the coming conqueror. Here he comes, and we're doing these things that show 
our belief that He is the Christ, that He is the Messiah. So they're ready. They're, they've been anticipating this for how long? For, for, for centuries. And certainly since 605 B.C., 586 B.C., when the Babylonians came and they, and they destroyed the city and they took away the king, and there has not been a, a king, a, a descendant of David sitting on the throne for over 600 years. And now this one who seems to be the one that God was going to send, the, the, the prophet greater than Moses that was promised is coming into town. And so they are, they are cheering. What do they say? Hosanna. What does Hosanna mean? It means Lord save now. You know, they're looking for what? They're looking for salvation and deliverance from Rome, from the oppression of Rome, this foreign country that's, that's miles and thousands of miles away, and yet they tax us, they, they occupy us, they're, 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 their soldiers are always here. There's probably more at this time because of the Passover and the, 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 the larger population being there. They say, Hosanna, save us now. And then they, they proclaim, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. On the Sunday before the crucifixion, they are. This is how they welcome Jesus. This is how what what they are saying. John says they were crying out. This 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 account, the triumphal entry, is is recorded in all four gospels. You know that that many of the events, Lazarus being raised from the dead, is only recorded by John. But the triumphal entry is recorded by all by all four of them. Uh, I think Matthew and Mark say they shouted. You know, that they were, they were crying out. They were shouting, Hosanna, save us now. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And they found, and Jesus found a donkey and sat on it. Matthew, Mark, and, and I think even Luke, they all tell a, a, a more detailed account of that donkey. Remember, they're, they're getting ready to go into Jerusalem. And Jesus sends his, his, a couple of his disciples into Bethphage to, to get a donkey. He says, you're going to find a, a donkey colt tied up to it, to it tied up and, and get it and bring it here. And if somebody says, what are you doing? Just tell them the Lord has need of it. And, and that, that happens. We get the, 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 the record of that. The two disciples go in to get the colt. Somebody says, hey, what are you doing? They say, the Lord has a need for it, and they let them go. That, 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 that God had just directed them to the right donkey coat. He says, so that just as it's written, and then he records a, a, a prophecy from, from Zechariah 9, 9. He says, rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jer Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foe of a donkey. Warren Wiersbe and, and, and uh, Philip Yancey both, Philip Yancey in his, his, his book, The Jesus I Never Knew, they both sort of muse over this triumphal entry 
and comparing it to what were the Roman soldiers who are there who are used to this great parade coming in of, of the general in the front on his mighty horse or chariot and then soldiers behind him and then the captives behind him. You know, what, what, what do, did those Roman soldiers think when they see here comes Jesus riding on a donkey into this town and yet the crowd is, is shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But notice he says, Zechariah said, He's, he, your king is coming righteous and having salvation he is. Hosanna, bring salvation now. He's humble and mounted on a donkey colt. They've been anticipating this king. This was the prophecy that had been written hundreds of years before, but are they anticipating the type of king that Jesus came to be? I mean, we know, we know that, they, that, that they were not. They wanted somebody to, to break the yoke of Rome and, 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 and throw the, the, the Romans out. If you keep going in, in Zechariah 9, verse 10, kind of interesting. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem, and the battle bow shall be cut off, and he shall speak peace to the nations. His rule shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. They were seeking a king to just take, to rule over Israel. Maybe the, the landmass that Solomon had had, but, but this prophecy that, that Zechariah gives is that his, his rule shall be from the river to the ends of the earth. His, his kingdom will be worldwide, not just over, over Israel. So they, they kind of missed his, his many of the clues all, all together, not only on what kind of, of king he would be, but over whom he should be king. And then John, you know, here's, here's one of those statements, verse 16, that it's, it's like, the Bible doesn't hold punches. The, the Bible records the, 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 the faults and the warts. We know of David's sin. We, we know of Peter's denial and, and how the, the disciples all ran away except for, for probably John. Verse 16, he says, The disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered these things had been written about him and had been done to him. You know, I mean, John doesn't have to put that in there, but he's honest. He's like, we didn't know what, what, why these things were happening until after he was glorified, after Jesus was raised from the dead and ascended into heaven and the Holy Spirit came. You know, we would, I would be tempted if I'm writing and said, yeah, I knew this was going to happen. You know, but, but John... The, the, the Bible gives honestly the, the reaction and, and many times the thoughts of the, the people who are living these, these events. Verse 17, Then the crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. The reason the crowd 
the reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they had heard he had done this sign. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? The crowd goes after him because they heard Jesus had performed this sign, this miracle, raising John from the dead. You, you could say either one and not be wrong. Is it, is it good? Were they only interested in, in the dramatic, in the, in, in, in the things? Remember when Jesus fed the 4,000 and the 5,000 and the crowds were following him and they wanted to make him king then. And he had, to, he had to go away. He had to get away from them because that wasn't the type of king that he came to be. I think it's kind of a, a, a little bit of foreshadowing of what's going to happen later in the week, that those who had followed him just because he had raised Lazarus from the dead, that they swiftly changed to the other side. And they're among the same people who, from Sunday to Friday, they began crying, crucify him. So what can we take from this? Observations, if you if you consider the 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 triumphal entry, the, the, the waving of the, of the palms. Think about Lazarus. He was what? F.F. Bruce calls him a living witness to the power of Jesus that many who saw he was a witness not only to the ones who believed, but to the Sanhedrin, the scribes, the priests, the Pharisees, the Sadducees who rejected Jesus, say for maybe a couple, Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea, but that he was a living witness. Can we say the same thing about ourselves? that we should be living. We didn't live in those times, but, but if you walked in here and sat down, you are living. I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a doctor going out on a limb, but I'm thinking if you walked in here and sat down, you're living. And so you're a living witness of, of the power of Jesus. In, in the book, uh, Case for Christ, the, the last chapter is called Circumstantial Evidence. And if you're familiar with the book, if you're not, I'll tell you what it's. Um, Lee Strobel, a journalist who was an ag at least an agnostic, and, and he began, his, his wife became a believer, and he began to research and go through all these steps. And, well, why is this important to her? And, and he, he went, he investigated. The very last chapter called Circumstantial Evidence, he, he, he interviewed a a, a a PhD, J.P. Moreland, who is a, 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 he has several degrees, one from Dallas Theological Seminary and then Talbert, uh, Ta Talbert, anyhow, several degrees. He's a, a professor of philosophy, and he goes through and he says, he, he gives five exhibits of the circumstantial evidence. A couple of them are that the disciples were willing to die for their faith meaning the first century, those disciples, they knew whether these claims were true or not. And they were in a unique position that 
why would they die if they knew those things were, were false? That they, that they died because they knew they were true. And then conversion of skeptics, Paul, Saul of Tarsus and others. And then he's kind of concluding, he's writing about this, this interview with J.P. Moreland and, and he's, he's concluding it. And J.P. Moreland says, well, there's one more thing ongoing encounters with the resurrected Christ. And he says it happens all over the world every day. Men and women meet Jesus. And he's talking about us or our friends, our, our neighbors, that an ongoing encounters with, with Christ today, that, that we too should be living witnesses to Jesus What about the expectations of the, the, the Jewish people, of those who are in Israel? They're expecting a Messiah. They're expecting their king to come. They're, they're ready. They're expecting that. They wanted to be saved from Rome. Right then. God's plan was what? To save them from sin and death. The eternal sal salvation, not just, not just saving us from, you know, in, in current time. Don't save me from the Republicans or the Democrats or the socialists or, or whatever. Save me from my sin that leads to death. And, and that, was, that was God's plan. So they, they had misguided expectations. They were anticipating a Messiah. So Jesus has already come. The Messiah has already come. And he's paid that, that price and atoned for our sins and been raised from the dead. Should we or should we not have expectations of the coming Messiah. I mean, it's not really a trick question, but do we have expectations for the coming Messiah? Are they, what person, I mean, 
not what percentage of our belief, but how often do we think about Jesus is going to come again, you know, that the first chapter of Acts when he's taken away and the angel says, why are you marveling at the sky? He's going to come back in the same way as, he, as you saw him. But sometimes we, we get too caught up with what we're doing that, that our expectations are zero. I mean, at least they had expectations, but it's like, we, do we forget? It's like all of these, you know, half of the people are going to be happy with an election these days and half are not. And somebody's going to be upset. Okay, maybe there might be 10% of the people that they really don't like either side. And it's like, so I'm going to be disappointed either way. I'm going to be disappointed for this and I'm going to be disappointed for that. But, but that after going through Daniel, we see that that rock uncut by human hands is going to have a kingdom that is going to fill the whole earth. Do we forget that we should be expecting every day Jesus to, to, to return and set up his e eternal kingdom. In, in Luke's gospel, the, 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 the Pharisees, the, the Jewish leaders are saying, why tell your disciples to be quiet? They shouldn't be saying these things. And how does Jesus respond to that? That's a kind of way out of the blue. I mean, skipping over like one book back. 